Good morning. I'm here. I'm here. Um, pastor told me once that you, you shouldn't use the restroom right because then you got lots of energy, you know, like keeps you moving. I had another one tell you, make sure you go right before you preach. So uh, I'm going to let you just wonder about that <laughs> a little bit. So 4th of July, Independence Day is coming up uh, this week. So uh, depending on whether you're early to parties or late to parties, this might be uh, 4th of July weekend or next weekend might be 4th of July weekend for you. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of 4th of July trivia, a little bit. And I'm afraid that Alicia might, might win all these because we went on vacation and she read the Federalist Papers. So that tells you something about Alicia. And we have, we have prizes. I think uh, spreading a little sugar around the room right before you preach might be a good idea too. Uh, so, uh, so let's do a little, little trivia. Uh, help me out here with hands. I'm going to try to watch for hands, but tell me if you, if you catch firsthand, firsthand on this. Uh, what document is commemorated on Independence Day? Easy one, right? Oh, oh. who was first? I think it was Josiah. The Declaration. The Declaration, easy one, right? Just one, take one. There you go. Good, good. We'll see if I have enough of these. I, I, had, I had enough, and I left the box down here, and I looked down, and Ethan's got, like, chipmunk cheeks. I'm going to cut off his hand. Um, all right, what year, another softball, what year was the, was the Declaration signed? Yes. Oh, oh, 1776. Good, nice, nice job. There you go. Good. Good, grab a donut hole. There you are. There we are. Sorry to put those right in front of your nose, Polly, and just kind of, like, maybe put a little more effort into this. All right, uh, the M80. The super fun firecracker that's illegal? The M80. Where does the M80 derive its name from? Right now? Brian, I thought you'd have this one. No? No? All right, give us a guess. No? No? All right, I'll, get, I'll give you a hand. It's, it's, oh, we gone? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no? No? It's, it's, I'll give you a hint, it's 80 grains of something. Really? Yeah, yeah where are we going to go? Yeah. Yes. There it is, there it is. Look, he's passing it off to you. Nice. You can share it, yeah. Um, yeah, 80, 80, grams of, 80 grams of, uh, of flash powder in there. All right, uh, all right, how about this? Uh, what is the internal temperature of a perfect... Medium rare ribeye. <laughs> yes. No, that's rare. Which is your hint? Like jump on it. Oh. Now we're just throwing numbers out. Like, <laughs> raise your hand if you actually know. What have we got? No. One thirty. Oh, I'm not coming to any of your houses for steak this weekend. Yeah. What do you got? One twenty-five. Thank you, sir. Oh my gosh. Some of you, it's like a, an aroma pleasing to the Lord with your steaks. All right. Uh, all right, uh, who, who wrote, who penned the Declaration of Independence? What do you got? Thomas Jefferson, but you already ate one. Oh. <laughs> all right. What, what was the original name of the hot dog? Oh, oh, we got another carpenter. It was like, boom, yes. Almost. That is so close, I'll give you Ethan's. Here you are. That was really, really close. What do you got? What do you got? Another hand? Yeah, yeah. 
close. It was, it was Frank, Frankfurter Almier close. That's kind of where it came from, was Frankfurt. It was called the Dachshund Sausage. That's why we gave him the wiener dog, the Dachshund Sausage. They started calling it the hot dog in Yale uh, because the, the providence of the meat was questionable. So it was like, all right. Um, okay, here's a hard one. Here's a hard one. What American statesman signed all four founding documents, the Continental Association, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution? Do we know? Oh. No, so close, so close. Yeah. No. Rachel? No. Oh, we got another one. Oh. No. What do you think? No? What is it? What is it? No, it wasn't Hamilton. No. Over here, yeah, yeah. It wasn't Jefferson. What do you think? Say again? Alexander? No? Someone did say John Addison and didn't get a donut, but nice try. All right, all right. It was Roger Sherman, who I'd never heard of, oddly enough. <laughs> Seems like an important guy. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Uh, three presidents have died on July 4th. Do we know which ones they were? <laughs> it's just smelling really good. <laughs> what do you think, Rachel? No. <laughs> what do you think? Jefferson's Adams, and I'm going to double check. So close. So close you get another donut. <laughs> Jefferson, Adams, and Monroe. James Monroe. All right. Yeah. All right, good. And now uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a whiz with our, with our Declaration of Independence, what is the last sentence? of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Oddly enough, no, but it's a little bit longer. Does anybody know it? It's, it's my favorite sentence, and when you're preaching, you get to do the things that are your favorite. Here it is. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. I think that's pretty cool. We could do a little more pledging to each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Uh, here, Alex, you're the big winner here. Here you go. Rest is yours. I can't, I can't smell them and not eat them. Boy. Freedom, freedom's a big deal, right? Freedom's a big deal. Um, our aspirations of freedom, they're as old as mankind. You know, Adam and Eve thought that they had something to be freed from. They bought this lie that, uh, that they had something they needed to, to somehow escape or, or be liberated from. Uh, celebrations of freedom around the world. Uh, this is cool. You got that slide here for me? Oh, yeah. Makes me want to get a kilt. Uh, I bet I look good in a kilt. Late 13th century, William Wallace, Braveheart. Uh, Robert the Bruce, they fought for uh, Scottish independence against the British. 
April 27th, 1994 is Freedom Day in South Africa. That was the, the day of the first elections after apartheid ended. Juneteenth, Freedom Day. Have you heard of Juneteenth? June 19th. 1865, three years after the Emancipation Proclamation uh, in Texas, the slaves were finally informed that they were free. We still celebrate that today. Passover, the night the people of Israel were freed from enslavement in Egypt three, <clears throat> 3,000 years ago. I have a friend who keeps a, a, a many years old calendar on his wall with a date circled. And uh, that was the day that he found freedom from alcoholism. Last weekend, Alicia and I went to Breckenridge, which is cool. Uh, we had an early anniversary celebration, so make sure you congratulate Alicia on that. Uh, early uh, anniversary celebration in Breckenridge. Ethan and Josie stayed home all weekend for the first time alone. So they got a little taste of freedom. We're still talking about that. <laughs> Jesus talked about freedom. In, in Luke 4, uh, he comes in and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because... He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The New Testament talks uh, quite a bit about freedom, uh, but it turns out it's not, it's not always the kind of freedom that you and I typically talk about. Usually when we talk about freedom, we talk about like self-determination in some way, right? So maybe at the macro level, we're talking about democracy or some idea of representative government where instead of uh, whoever has the biggest sword gets to seize power and be the leader, that we would all you know, choose our leaders every few years, hopefully. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's our big deal for Independence Day, right? This, uh, this notion of self-determination, this notion that all men are created equal. This notion that the government derives power from the people and the people have the responsibility to change a government that erodes these principles. The idea that, that, uh, that, that the people generate the power for government as opposed to a king deriving his power from God and therefore we all have to serve the king out of a beholdenness to God sort of supplants the idea that, that obey the ruler uh, was embodied in a person and said now obey the ruler was embodied in this set of ideas. And if the ruler went, went against those ideas, then we had to like change that ruler, right? So it, they, they turn this whole thing on its head. And that's a huge thing for our country. It's a huge thing for our lives. We enjoy immense, immense freedom for which we should be profoundly grateful. And so every 4th of July, we stop and we take time to remember and some of you burn a ribeye. <laughs> Josh. So that's the big picture, the macro level. At the micro level, uh, sometimes we talk about this, uh, uh, this idea of freedom like a, like a libertarian perspective, this idea that I'm free to do what I want. Nobody can tell me what to do. I have a friend in this church, I won't say his name, uh, we went out one time, he was struggling with his teenager, and he's telling me about, oh man, I just keep telling this boy, and I'm telling this boy, and he just won't, and I was like, man, sounds like maybe he's got to learn some of these lessons the hard way, and kind of like maybe somebody else at this table I know, and he looks at, he puts his drink down, he looks at me, like glares at me, and he goes, I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Like, we don't. We don't like people telling us. We don't like the government or corporations. I hate the HOA telling me what to do. <laughs> like, that is my, that's the thorn in my shoe is the HOA. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe you don't like your boss telling you what to do. Your customers, your spouse, your parents. Yeah, you get an amen there? Yeah? <laughs> Maybe you don't like your parents telling you what to do. How often you say, I would be happy if only I could be free from fill in the blank, that guy, right? I have a couple of friends. Three of us were all worship pastors at the same time. Uh, these two friends are brothers, uh, Jack and Kelly. And, and Jack was lamenting kind of troubles they're going through with his church and troubles with his marriage and troubles with his kids. And he's like, man, I just want to go off by myself into the mountains and live in a cabin where my nearest neighbor, the nearest person's 100 miles away. And his brother looked at him and goes, yeah, but you'd be there. <laughs> See, we can all try to escape our commitments, the people we're accountable to, the boundaries that have been set up for us in life, but you'll still be there. And that's really our problem. So uh, let's look and, and, and see what the Bible has to tell us about freedom here today. Uh, first, thing, uh, first thing I want to I wanna, uh, suggest to you is this, that freedom from boundaries and accountability will shine a spotlight on our sinful nature. If I can do whatever I want, whatever I want, I certainly wouldn't give Alex those donuts, right? If I can do anything I want, I'm not likely to make decisions that are reflective of God's character. I'm not really innately prone to wisdom or, or to sacrificial love. I'm a little more prone to being self-serving, protectionist, materialistic, even foolish. God calls us sheep. And I'm not a farmer or a sheep herder. I don't know a lot about sheep, but I don't think that's a compliment. <laughs> Romans 7, verses 18 and 19 tells us this. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. See, Paul describes how even though Christ on our behalf has overcome the final consequences of sin, that freedom from eternal death. We're still tethered to that sinful nature. We still do stupid and selfish things. And Paul was like, he was like the superhero of the Bible, right? Like this super spiritual guy. He like saw Jesus and he wrote a bunch of the Bible. Like he's a big deal. And if Paul can't do it, where does that leave me? I remember the, uh, the first time my parents left town and left my brother and I home alone. My mom is visiting, which <laughs> the very first time I preached, uh, I had to preach in front of my wife, which was super humbling, but to preach in front of your mom, well, I don't know your mom, but to preach in front of my mom, uh, is, again, is super humbling. So this is my mom here visiting. Everybody say hi, mom. There we are, yeah. Uh, and with my mom is, is my Aunt Helen. Everybody say hi, Aunt Helen. Yeah, she's here too. Uh, so that's cool. Super humbling to preach to these uh, women of Christ. So my parents left town. And I was about, I don't know, maybe like nine. My brother was 13 and not any smarter than me. And <laughs> my mom had this way of buying groceries where when something's on sale, you buy like, you know, a wheelbarrow full of it and you stick it out in the pantry. And she had bought massive quantities of Pillsbury dough biscuits, which are amazing ammunition. 
So we got the idea, we, I'm not going to say whose idea it was, it was not an important fact. Um, we opened that baby up, that baby, there were like 14 of them. We opened these things up and we cut them all in half and now we had this massive arsenal of biscuit dough for a biscuit dough fight. Now an important, important note here is that we weren't left totally alone. We were left with this, this poor guy from our church who, he was a college student, he worked construction in the summers. When you work construction in the summers in Alaska, it's like 20 hours a day, right? It's like all, all day. So we may as well have been left home alone. But, so this poor guy is off doing construction all week, or all, all day long, while we're home with the biscuit dough, and we're having this massive biscuit dough fight all over the house, right? Chasing each other, throwing biscuit dough, throwing biscuit dough. And, and there's this moment where, where I come around the corner, and I got, I got one in my right hand, and I got two in my left hand, and my brother, he's got one left. And there's this moment of recognition that he's outgunned, right? And so, so he runs, and I'm chasing him. And we had these stairs that went down like eight steps and a landing, and it turned and went down another like four or five steps. He, he jumps off the top step and turns in midair. And if, if, you, if you ever played quarterback, you know, if it's all about footwork, you've got to have your feet planted. So he didn't have his feet planted. He's in the air, and so his shot goes wild, and my shot goes straight and true, because I have my feet planted, right? <laughs> and, and it hits him right in the forehead <laughs> just as he hits the wall and goes through the wall. <laughs> and his legs pop up, and his arms are out, and his eyes are like this big with a biscuit right here. <laughs> and, and he whispers. He's like, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like, why are we whispering? And I'm reloading. He's like, no, no, no. I'm stuck. Help me. <laughs> And, and so I got to like, pull him out of this wall, and the wall is destroyed, and this poor guy comes home that's staying with us, and, and we're like, listen, man, our dad is going to kill us, <laughs> right? We're in this together. And so this guy stays up all night long repairing this wall perfectly, perfectly repairs this wall. My parents come home, and my dad is really observant kind of guy about <laughs> broken things, it turns out. And he kept walking by the railing, and he'd, and he'd stop, and he'd look. And he'd stare at this thing, and, and he'd stand there for like 20 seconds, staring at this wall. Then he'd shake his head and move on. And, you know, my brother and I, for like a week, we haven't slept, right? Like, it's going to kill us. We wrecked his wall, and so finally, you know, we crack. And we're like, how'd you know? And he's like, how'd I know what? <laughs> we wrecked your wall. And so we had to tell him this whole thing. And we had to tell mom about the biscuits because she couldn't find biscuits anywhere and didn't know what happened to the biscuits. And we swore we ate them, but obviously we didn't eat 14 things of biscuits. <laughs> he noticed it was clean. That was it. I was like, why is that wall clean? Anyway. <laughs> Sheep, we're foolish. We do foolish things. See, sometimes freedom is amazing and great, and sometimes you'd be grateful for. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we're not up for it, it seems. So this whole celebration we have, this freedom from political oppression, this freedom to worship as you want, this freedom to pursue God, uh, these are amazing things to be grateful for. But if you still live as slaves to sin then you've just found a different way for life to suck. Sorry, Mom, she doesn't like when I say suck. 
you got no one to blame for yourself at that point, right? You have all the independence you want, but you'll still be there. You still got you to deal with. Still a slave to sin, still a slave to your selfish predisposition. 1 Peter 2, 16 says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. That's all one sentence. The first part says, live as free people, and the end says, live as God's slaves, which should make you kind of hit the brakes if you're reading your Bible and you hit that verse. Live as free people and live as God's slaves. Uh, Who was paying attention during our coffee break when we dismissed the kids and heard what song was playing? Anybody notice? It was, it was Bob Dylan's You've Got to Serve Somebody, right? And, and if you haven't heard that song, it's a really, it's a really cool song. Uh, Bob Dylan went through an evangelical phase, which is interesting. Um, but this idea that, that you're always going to serve somebody. So that brings me to this. The Bible, the Bible doesn't talk quite so much about freedom in the sense that you are liberated from accountability, or authority, or boundaries. The Bible says that you're, you're free from, from the kingdom of me to serve the kingdom of God. You've got to serve somebody. The Bible talks more about uh, the choice being a, a slave to sin, a slave to your own sinful nature, and bondage to that kingdom of me, or you can be a slave to God. One leads to destruction and death every time. One leads to abundance in life. Romans 6 says this, Thanks be to God that you used to be slaves to sin. You've now come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Again, Paul says, I was born in bondage, right? I was born wrapped up in this in this kingdom of me. My choice is to wallow deeper and deeper in my own misery or to grab on to freedom from that and become slaves to righteousness, become slaves to God, become servants of the kingdom of God. Timothy Keller, the, the author and, and theologian, writes this. Freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, the liberating restrictions, those that fit with the reality of our nature and the world to produce greater power and scope for our abilities and a deeper joy and fulfillment. As I thought about freedom, I I thought of of this notion that, that freedom is this state of being in submission to Christ, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, in which you serve the kingdom of God through acts of love, justice, and mercy. That's what real freedom looks like. And if you ever have known one of those people, it's an amazing thing. All right, Galatians 5. This is, the, this is our big freedom text. This is a long one. Stick with me. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to grab it. I want to talk, talk this one out a little bit. Starting at verse 13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, 
let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, this is a big text, and you could write a book on all of the little intricacies of this text, and I'm not going to do that to you today because you have a stake to burn. Paul is not saying here, hey, be good and don't be bad. Paul is saying, listen, you have been set free from the oppressive kingdom of you so that you can serve the kingdom of God. Everything you do, every thought you have, every action you take is a service to one kingdom or the other. There's not a middle ground. There's no third way. And if you're ever not really sure, like if what I'm doing right now is in service to the kingdom of me or the kingdom of God, here's your list, right? He gives us, he gives us all these outcomes. See, if you find yourself engaged in sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pressures, these are... These are ways that we, that we enslave our bodies to sin. Idolatry and sorcery, ways we, uh, we allow our very spirit to be enslaved. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. These are ways that we allow our relationships to be enslaved to sin, enslaved to the kingdom of me. Drunkenness, wild parties, is how we dull that acute awareness of our own slavery to our sinful nature, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the outcomes of how we know if our particular area of our life has been turned over to Christ and is being lived in service to his kingdom. All right, finally, you and I are prone to abdicate our freedom. We've been, we've been given this gift of freedom that we're going to remember when we come to the table today. But we're prone to abdicate that freedom. Again, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. How do you abdicate your freedom? If you're not sure, ask your kids. They probably can tell you. 
Ask your wife, men. Men, if your wife asks you, she's perfect. <laughs> Word of advice. How do you abdicate your freedom to, from sin? Do you have an addiction? Do you have an, addi an addiction that you allow to reign in your life, whether it's you know, meth or alcohol or shopping or whatever? Do you have something that you allow to supplant God at the center of your life? Maybe you walk around with some sense of entitlement. Huh? Maybe you worry a lot. Maybe it's money, materialism, your relationship with kind of stuff. Maybe it's broken relationships and just cycles of hurt round and around and around. Maybe it's situations or, or conflicts from the past that you think are resolved, but you keep picking them back up. How often do we do that? How often do you think you're free of something and you just keep picking it back up? Maybe we're comparing ourselves to other people all the time, right? I'm going to come over here to my teens. Social media, social media is the devil. <laughs> Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop worrying about whether they're prettier. Stop worrying about whether they have more money or a more successful career or a nicer house or, or a truck. <laughs> I can tell you about that new truck I want. Every sermon. It's right, right here all the time, all the time. And this is the one where Brian pulls me off the stage. Maybe it's political tribalism. Maybe you allow your politics to draw a circle around you and people to think just like you, and everybody outside that circle is stupid or evil. Knowing full well when you walk in this room to worship, there are people outside that circle. Do we allow our, po our political preferences to come between us and those people that we come to serve God with? What's yours? So here's the thing. God doesn't like give us a bunch of rules to follow, right? God doesn't say, you know, here's all the ways that you're in and then here's all the ways you're out and make sure you do it right all the time. God wants us to be free. God wants us to be free from ourselves, free from that, that kingdom of me, free from that, uh, that tyranny within us, that battle that rages within us. And he says, know me, know my love, know what I'm doing in this world, and go be free. And it should be fun. Go love people. Is it fun to love people? Brian gets to love people all the time. He, he doesn't even like some of us, I bet. But he still gets to go love people. What an amazing thing. It's fun, right? Sometimes, yeah. He has to say that. Right? He looked away from a few of you when he said it. It should be fun. Go catch snakes. Go play the blues. Go love people. Go live in service to God. It's not, it's not, it's not the list of rules. But, but life outside, decisions outside, parts of our lives outside those biblical boundaries where God says, know me, know my love, know what I'm doing around here. That's where we get in trouble. That's where things become destructive, and that's where things lead to death. So as we come to the table this morning, let me, let me pray for us. God, we, uh, we celebrate in this country this 
amazing sense of freedom, and, and yet so many of us don't really know what freedom is. The freedom to come and, and worship you how we, uh, how we think you want to be worshipped, the freedom to know you, the freedom to live that out, these are amazing things, God. And yet we still keep picking stuff up. So as we come today, God, to this table, we pray that as we remember your sacrifice, as we remember your, uh, your resurrection, we remember the life that is available to us, we remember the freedom that is available to us, uh, God, that you will shine that spotlight on the areas that, that we just, we continue to live wrapped up in chains. Pray that you will move in each of our hearts this morning, that you will... Uh, you will reveal to us just uh, what we have to be grateful for and what we have to, to continue to work on, God. You will continue uh, to grow us in your love.